Spaces. All right, we're back in action. Anyway, I was just talking about um, how maybe Ethereum could be sort of the next mountain to climb. And I, I had a revelation because I've always been more of like a Bitcoin maxi kind of, not Bitcoin maxi, but Bitcoin, uh, there's another word. Like, I mean, I obviously like alts and we play around in the alt space a lot, but I've always thought Bitcoin reached sort of a um, escape velocity where it was able to uh, transcend the means of crypto and like the non-use case where it could be sort of this transitory uh, hedge against the the decline of the US dollar as a reserve currency. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, if if it does become like as legitimate as it is, where, you know, you, you have a Bitcoin ETF, you have a huge, um, I guess, uh, you, you have these like huge BlackRock-esque type companies that have like legitimized it um it, it really is like the gateway drug to the rest of the ecosystem and it really is like this um high tides rise rise all ships type scenario mm -hmm. where once you're able to um play around in the space of of uh self-custody and of decentralized finance uh why not make a quick swap into something that's going to have like some beta exposure right um some things that are going to allow you to to play around with some of the derivatives um, of you know captured value on the internet. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how the space goes. Obviously, I'm I'm bullish long term on on all crypto assets, uh, but I but I'm not as much like a you know I used to think like oh Bitcoin has the only true native use case for for a blockchain or digital currency. Uh, I don't think that as much anymore because I think that. Um, you know, once you have more things to do with your money in a way that doesn't like uh, bind you to the laws of the land, then, you know, you're going to eventually, I think volume eventually flows out towards like other assets. And I think that's an interesting segue into a question I wanted to ask Joseph. Joseph, you're really big on Solana and uh, the Solana ecosystem. Uh, to my own demise, I, I just haven't been interested in Solana. I like don't have... Uh, <clears throat> I barely have any exposure to Solana. Um, I, I've like I've yielded a couple free airdrops, but I've never gotten involved. So like, get me excited about Solana. Like, what what should I go do now today on my Phantom wallet that's gonna make me excited uh, and make me earn some money potentially? I mean, it, it honestly just comes down to. I mean, right now what Solana is going through is a very it's like an interesting stage of the ecosystems like life cycle because it's one of the few chains that's actually like 
managed to survive a cataclysmic event um, for better or for worse. Uh, somehow some teams have managed to survive uh, like the actual post FTX. And a lot of those teams raised funds, um, had a lot of their funds rugged because of FTX. Um, Alameda was a huge investor inside of the ecosystem. So there are a lot of teams that are just completely hemorrhaged, lost a lot of funds. Uh, but they've managed to, a lot of them have stuck around. And the ones that have stuck around have still have quite a bit of liquidity um, to just like reward uh, reward users who come use their protocols. Uh, to yesterday, we had the probably, it was the biggest airdrop that Solana's ever seen with Jupiter. Um, and I mean, overall, like Solana still has like some pretty, significant like user friction issues um i wouldn't say it's not quite to the to the how smooth it was to use terra blockchain i think a lot of people just don't remember or at least never interact with the terra chain and just don't understand how good of an experience it was you had gas abstracted fees you didn't have to worry about like having to pay in the native token um and also just like in general smoothness so solana is still trying to figure out fee markets um right now there's just like huge huge issue with fees um either you're overpaying or you're underpaying and just not being included in the block and so they're they're working on different types of fee markets but largely right now there's just a whole bunch of new platforms or just platforms that have been building for the past year and a half who are just seeking to incentivize users margin is a big one um that's where you can go deposit uh, essentially the anchor where you can go deposit, create a loan on stuff, just doesn't have a stable coin tied to it. Um, and then Jupiter is, has been the DEX aggregator of the entire ecosystem. It just, it's, they're trying to go for like this, like conglomerate of like aggregating all types of like swaps that you want to do on a token. If you want to do a perp, you want to do a swap, if you want to do a DCA strategy. Um, it, it handles all that for you and really smoothly too. Um, right now, people are just super excited about Jupiter. Um, there's a little bit of flaming going on from the founder of Jupiter because he didn't pass on the DAO like efficiently. And some people are just upset about that up in arms. But definitely check out MarginFi. Definitely go mess with Camino. Um, a couple of others that I'm blanking on, but there's quite a few platforms that are yet to launch a token. The one that I'm most excited about is MarginFi, but definitely has been overfarmed. I think Camino and Drift are the ones that are like remaining to see like massive amounts of farming activity. Uh, but other than that, you uh, oh also Tensor. Tensor is like the number one NFT marketplace there. They've like overthrown Magic Eden. Uh, other than that. It's honestly just an ecosystem where on-chain activity is just going to keep happening because if you're a retail investor, if you're someone who has low amounts of capital, you're going to go on, like if you're going to go do anything on-chain speculative to try to make that 100x return or try to make that 50x return, and you're going to go on Ethereum, you're going to be paying fees out the ass. It's just unaffordable. It's just unlogistically like possible for that end user to like have fun on-chain, um, especially if they're just playing around with a couple grand. So it's just on Solana, that's actually possible. You can actually go mess around with a couple of grand, turn it into something more. Um, and you'll get airdrops from these platforms or you could buy the Saga Genesis phone and get airdrops from that. Um, I ordered the Saga phone after it got discounted and I got airdropped the Saga Monkey and that Saga Monkey is worth more than the phone itself. It's called, it's called a um, Saga Genesis? Yeah, so the Saga phone, if you order the Saga phone, you'll get the Saga Genesis NFT, which is like everyone who has like the Saga phone, you got a Saga Genesis NFT that's like soul bound to the hardware wallet that's baked into the phone. Um, so like that phone is just basically it's like a hardware wallet slash phone. That's like kind of the angle that they're trying to go with that thing. Um, and so I have that phone. I use it as my hardware, as a, a hardware wallet, essentially on Solana. Um, but yeah, I like, mean, like right through now, a cellular network and like called people on it or how to. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's based out of Android. So they have a they have a booted up system of Android on there. You can use Android. Um, and they actually have some cool, cool applications and cool uh, DPEN. Uh, so they're like decentralized physical infrastructure applications that are like using like the phone to kind of like get their software into the hands of their end consumer. One of them is Helium. Helium is a really cool kind of deep end infrastructure network where their thesis is, is that they can build like a cellular network that um, that incentivizes users to see the network. So if you're in a rural area and you drive around a lot, um, you'll basically be incentivized for having your phone activated and seeding the actual like cellular network. I don't know how it works like on a logistical like sense, but all I know is, is that they're rewarding people who are participating in it. And there's a couple of guys in one of the discords that I'm in who's like, they don't, they're like monthly phone bill on that like network. They don't have to pay for it because they actually earn more from seeding the network than they do for paying their phone bill. Um, so it's a, it's a very interesting, like kind of like it's Solana has been the first chain that I've been seeing actual retail adoption for um, and actual retail engagement. Largely, it has been speculatively driven. So it's mostly just NFT people or meme coin people. Um, but there's just a lot of plays there that you can do if you wanted to yield farm or just speculate. And honestly, I just see the majority of retail activity continuing happening there. Interesting. I mean, that's that's cool, but I don't think I don't think Evan will have much to say about that because he doesn't like new technology. Um, I heard recently he was uh, I put in my pre-order for the Apple Vision Pro mm -hmm. and he compared it Lame. to Firefest. Lame. Damn. So I, I, did I mean, I'm used to I'm unlike Evan, I'm used to like creating applications and coding and things. And I do long hours on airplanes when I travel and like the hunched over spine effect really killing me. But that Vision Pro, I can just put the screens anywhere up in the plane cabin and, and act like I'm at home. Yeah. Uh, and just just type in this really relaxed state. Um, it's, it's fantastic experience. Uh, I did see but anyway, news today about the Apple Vision Pro that there's 600 new apps native to Vision Pro that will come out with the um, with the device. So we'll see if any of them are more useful than the early iPhone apps, which was like pour out a beer, a virtual beer, or uh, I'm the I'm Rich app that was just a thousand dollars for an app on your phone that showed people that you were willing to throw away a thousand dollars. My problem with the Vision Pro is is the format. I just don't think it's going to catch on. People don't want to wear large pieces of hardware on their face. Mm -hmm. um, it's already it's already restrictive enough to have like headphones on. Uh, while you're working, the battery life on it's not great, but that's that's a different subject. I'm sure they'll they'll improve that. Uh, but you do have to carry around an external battery with it, um, and it just doesn't seem like this is the correct format for the world to revolutionary take that revolutionary step into like AR VR. I just think people are going to like if I'm sitting on a plane and the guy next to me has the fucking Apple Vision Pro on and he and he's doing programming, I'm going to be like, what a fucking weirdo. And then I'm going to turn. Hey, it used to be that way with laptops. You used to think of that. People used to think of people on the planes with laptops and then with iPads where they taped four iPhones together <laughs> in, in joke ads. And you know what? Yeah, maybe it won't be no bigger than the fax machine. Maybe you're right. Yeah. I, I just think <laughs> it's um, th there's. Hey, dude, you hit me back with the snark. You're normally the snark guy. What the there's hell? nothing. There's nothing that it can do. At least in its current state, and I could be wrong on this. Maybe some app comes out that I don't know does something wild, but there's nothing that it can do that 
other than like improve the UX, maybe, I don't know, but there's nothing, no app that will do anything other than I could do with like a couple lap, like a laptop and, a, and an extra display or whatever. Uh, it's, it's just so much easier to just be untethered to my hardware. I, I just think that's like the natural state of, of humans. Like I can already do everything with my phone or my laptop. Well, speaking of untethered, um, in three minutes, something special is happening. You know what that is? What is it? It is the, uh, unless it's been canceled, it is the postmortem spaces coming in from somewhere about a certain bankruptcy. I'm picking up what I'm dropping down yet? Yeah. The yeah. Bank, bankrupt? Uh, we're going to... Bankruptcy. We're, we're going to hear from uh, TFL. Um, oh, yeah. I, I believe it in three minutes on their spaces about um, their bankruptcy, the Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Supposedly, there's some difference between 7 and 11. I have no idea what... I'm not a bankruptcy lawyer, so I have no idea. But uh, from some of the posts that I've seen from Ray Raspberry, shout out to him on Twitter or on Telegram. Uh, he's posted some documents, some court listener documents. Um, we'll see. I, I think the efforts of TFL now are going to focus on trying to turn things over to the community uh, and let the community run with it. Uh, but who knows? I mean, very hard to uh, <laughs> to operate when you don't have like the main provider of your infrastructure and all those fun things that go with it. So we'll see what comes out of that space. I imagine uh, Chris Amani, who, you know, I commend in, in him taking on what is, what is like an impossible task of cleaning up the, the issues with, um, with the fallout from Terra Luna version one. Um, I imagine he'll be careful with his wording uh, and it'll be more of a PR job than a, than a casual uh, drunken space like we do here on Thirsty Thursdays. So, is it too irreverent for me to suggest we stream the space and Mystery Science Theater three thousand the hell out of it with like little talking commentary? We, we could do that. Uh, we would have to. You guys would have to join Restream. Join me over here on Restream, and then we would just pipe in the uh, the Terraform Labs bankruptcy thing. I'm I'm down to do that if you guys want to. Uh, there's really no format here. You guys would just both have to join. Uh, and it would pipe into our spaces too, right? This is this is the craziest. Like you know that you know the thing where like the laptop is plugged into itself to charge itself through like three adapters. It's basically what we're doing here with YouTube and Spaces. I'm not a hundred percent sure how we would pipe it into Spaces. I would have to. Yeah, oh, you know what? Right. I would I would have to join the the space, and then we could hear it. We would all be able to hear it on uh, Restream. If you guys want to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, what's he going to say? To be honest, what what is it? You know the details already, right? Something about thirty million, something. something. Well, I think they. Um, again, I'm not a lawyer, and I didn't like. I just gave a cursory glance to the document, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. But from what I saw, um, they have they have some really large like legal fees that they've had to pay, uh, and there's a lot in question on, like money judgments against them in the case um that could exceed their current assets but don't don't quote me on that because i could be wrong about it um i also know that uh well and then and then doe um he interestingly enough i think his sentence actually ends pretty soon sometime in march uh and there's been no rolling yet on his expedition whether it's going to be to the us or to korea so i think there's a lot of people out there that are like holding luna and they're 
they're expecting like some news that dough is going to come out and it's, you know, the price is going to pump. And I don't know if the price has bottomed out because it's art, like the market's already concluded that TFL is not going to be uh, there to support the ecosystem. But, you know, the other, the, I guess the, the good news is they are still operating. Um, they're able to, you know, continue operations. They purchased Pulsar, uh, the team with the, with the dashboard, that that's a fantastic product. Uh, they just launched station V3. They just changed it so you can pay gas with any token. I think with like US USDC, maybe natively or maybe Axel, the Axel version of it. Um, so they're they're still operating. They're still pushing out updates. But the, I mean, I don't I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how positively you can spin like a bankruptcy. That's usually not a good sign. Um, oh, Trump does it all the time. He, yeah, I, I mean, he does, but that's. And, and court cases. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it could it could just reveal that they are uh, getting over token supply shocks. Like I don't know, honestly, I genuinely don't know how they pivot the uh, the ecosystem into something productive for Cosmos. Um, just like I think they're, I think honestly, I think it's been a failure of anyone who has aligned with Adam. Just trying to align yourself with Adam has just proven to be a bad decision in the Cosmos ecosystem. So it doesn't matter if you're TFL whoa, or anyone else. Whoa. Adam's dying, bro. Adam is dying. Adam, the modular, the the the, the Adam like thesis is no longer viable in my eyes. Um, and the last like the last opportunities are to actually onboard app chains, create that flood, like hub and spoke model. Otherwise, I think it's just completely dead. Like, oh well, yeah, you know, I mean, I agree with you there. You gotta. The whole thing is built on the app chain idea. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of trying to revive Adam, uh, the folks over at Delphi, I still don't know if they say Delphi or Delphi. You know, it's been years. Um, but they launched an inscriptions clone of sorts or like an ordinals clone. You know how uh, on Bitcoin there's the, uh, the inscription slash ordinals rage yeah. where like you could mint, mint NFTs on Bitcoin. Um, they launched something equivalent to that on Cosmos uh, called Asteroids uh, because Adam's not a smart contract chain. And so they, they deployed that. And I, I didn't know anything about this until it happened. And Evan messaged downside number one so far number one of living in Europe is that uh, the asteroids airdrop happened while I was asleep. And by the time I woke up, it was already out and gone. Uh, but I, I hear Evan got some roids. What have you done with that? Um, I got the initial drop and haven't really been back to check on them. I think they're in my account somewhere though. So um, from what I know, it was like kind of a, a surprise release with like a smaller sort of bootstrap team that was building it. and. I'm not sure. I, I wish I could remember things that I read. Um, I just remember somebody from the team saying that, you know, it was it was like kind of a low touch point item for their for their team as far as like working on the front end and stuff. And so maybe there'll be more you know work there. Delphi has been doing a ton of stuff lately. Uh, they were involved in the um, the GG airdrop over on Solana. When I posted that, people thought that my account got hacked. I got like three DMs, including from uh, Jose from our from our team, thought that I I got hacked and then posted it in a Discord in like an internal team Discord. But um, yeah, they've been pushing out a lot of stuff. There are ordinals on that that platform on that front end where I minted like the token number one, which was I think Roids. Um, so yeah, I mean, go check it out. I don't know the URL off the top of my head, so I'm being super helpful here for everybody that's that's listening and interested in checking it out. Pete, were you able to to see the front end at all? 
I, as soon as I figured out that I had missed the boat, I, uh, I, did, I didn't go back. I'm sorry. Um, there's, there's too many boats sailing. You know, it's another boat that I've missed recently. Uh, maybe I'm already drinking a little bit too much of this. You know, it's another boat that I've already missed recently. Jupiter. Uh, the Casa, you like financed a new house on your Jupiter airdrop, I hear? Uh, no, not, not on the Jupiter airdrop. <laughs> off of my, uh, on with, the on my whiff coin. Um, I bought, whiff, yeah. I bought that whiff meme coin super, super early. I got very lucky. That was a great gamble. All right, great trade. I hadn't actually heard anything. See, that's how you, you coax in from other people. You pretend you already you know. hear about whiff? Like, what? What was the um, so? I mean, honestly, I was just paying attention to like the meme coin craze that was happening on Solana, and I just kept seeing like all like I, I watched Bonk just like absolutely go crazy, and I was already holding some Bonk from the bear market because it got airdropped to anyone who was like active on Solana at some point, and I had some of that. I just watched it round trip. I didn't really care, um, and then Bonk just absolutely took off at some point, um, and then it got the Coinbase listing. I think it peaked at one point seven billion dollar market cap. That was crazy. Um, but honestly, that unleashed like a new Solana like meme coin season and a Solana meme craze because it was right at the time when Gito Soul was also doing their airdrop and Gito Soul did their their airdrop. And that was a huge wealth effect to the ecosystem because like it was a very small subset of users that were actively like liquid staking their soul. Um, so some players that like some players basically just like showed up. They had a couple hundred bucks of Gito Soul and they ended up getting like uh, like at least five grand in airdrop Gito tokens, um, which was just shocking because if you just had a couple hundred bucks, you you could have like multiple x that um, just from an airdrop. So that was that was kind of like what triggered a new meme coin season. And I was on the Discord and someone in the Discord dropped like uh, the bird's eye view of Withcoin. Um, and so I saw with, I saw that it had gone up from uh, a million, a million dollar to a million dollar market cap. I clicked into it. I checked the Twitter. I checked the uh, Telegram chat, realized that the memes are really good. I love the, I love the meme. I like the, it still has a hat. It could go down 50% tomorrow and it still has a hat. Like right now we're down like 64% from all time high and it still has a hat guys. So it's just, it's just that meme itself was just so infectious and so powerful um that i just like was like all right i'll gamble a little bit and i sold some of my bonk rotated a little bit of capital from canto got into uh got into whiff and got super lucky because it, it, it got selected i watched it go to four mil market cap and now we're chilling at like 200 220 so so do you think that solana because i think what happens with meme coins a lot is like the the layer one token accrues all this value and it pumps hardcore and then that sort of spills over into the memes of the ecosystem. Um, it seems like with Solana, it's probably happened on a larger scale than like some of the others. Like another example is Say and Saiyan, I think happened like in a in a mini time frame. Um, from your perspective, do you think Solana still has some of that juice left where like people that have made a bunch of money from their soul are ready to look for a, another meme coin or potentially pump up the ones that have already uh, appreciated? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it seems like there's, there's like continuous meta turnover. Um, it, it started off with like the bonk. Uh, it started off with bonk, but ever since then, there's just been a, like just a constant wave of different metas. And they're just like internet culture based metas. Um, and so like the whiff, the whiff one just came out and like came out and it dethroned like other meme coins that were in the ecosystem. So like walk, that's another meme coin that was there and it just kind of died. Um, I don't know if it's still back. It's still around. And there's just been a whole bunch of different types of metas that have popped up. At, at one point, there was a cat meta. 
Um, then there was a, a, a rapper meta because Drake had talked about win on, over uh, over Twitter or over like a video or some shit like that. And so then people launched a win token and they thought that Drake was going to shill it or something. And then he sure enough, he did. He mentioned it on Instagram or something like that. Um, and then there was another meta recently. Was, was like, yeah, there was another meta that was based off of Wall Street Bets. So there was a shout out to the person who has a Wall Street Bets PFB in the audience. But there was a Wall Street Bets uh, like meta. And that was what's happening this week. Um, GME um, has gone up. There's, someone launched a GME token on Solana. And it's just literally ticker GME and has the GameStop logo. And uh, I think it peaked at like, I think it peaked at a $58 million market cap or something like that. And it ran that over like, it did that over like, 48 hours um so it's just crazy because like these these different memes are just like kicking off and if you're paying attention to the block explorer um and you can get in early you can that's great but a lot of the projects as well i would probably say there's there's like less than one percent like hit rate because there's so many other random shit coins that will launch and their devs will just like have an initial allocation and they'll just sell like immediately and just like nuke the price um even after a couple hundred grand get into the liquidity um and it's just super volatile because you're you're trading you're trading on like like a it's like a 50 million dollar market cap coin and you only have like a thousand or five thousand liquidity on chain so it all it takes is one person and they'll just nuke the price on chain so it looks like we're not competing with the Terraform Labs uh, spaces, um, although we thought we might be. It, I, see, I see one scheduled today for 8 p.m. or for in three hours from now. Um, so was Evan wrong? Must maybe, maybe not. Yeah, Evan, I looked yesterday and it was 12. But I, now, we do have an Evan here from Terra Money in the spaces, but I, uh, I'm assuming he can't speak to anything like that. Um, I've invited you to come up to speak of, and if you want to just shoot the breeze, um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We should, we should have him come up and, uh, and represent Terraform labs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Officially. I'm, I'm, I would love to know what the model is. Cause I just feel like that the cosmos, like anyone who has like ended up Adam aligned needs to evolve. Um, this modular, this modular money narrative that like Celestia is building. Um, it's honestly one of the best, like, it's one of the best marketing schemes I've ever seen. Uh, like, I'm not saying it's a scheme, like modular money. Sure. Let's like go down that like philosophical rabbit hole and we can make that debate and we can have that conversation, but it's just, it's just such a coordinated effort that they've done across the ecosystem with different other teams, like tapping into that narrative. And it just really feels like Celestia's like marketing team and everyone around them that they've associated with really understands the narrative that they're trying to push here and they're aligning themselves with a lot of the different protocols i don't know if you guys saw like the stride proposal or the stride lst derivative that they've launched um Mm -hmm. we're fighting it's not here oh oh oh, oh, sorry someone okay there you go all right can you hear me now yeah um but yeah five percent of the stride token supply is going to go to people who are liquid staking tia um and it's just they're just building so many capital efficient plays around tia that i honestly just like see the writing on the wall for like adam as a token like even further um just from a strategic positioning perspective from an alignment perspective modular money is like the end game uh thesis for the ecosystem at this point Um, can you you give me a layman's term definition of of what celestia does because like before the price pumped, I just remember hearing about Celestia and I looked up like, I don't know, their white paper or some medium article. And it just like, 
I felt like I needed a fucking degree in computer science to understand what was going on. Not a, not a dropout degree that I currently have. I can't hear you now, Pete. <laughs> no shit. I think he, are you trying to talk from your other account, Pete? More technical. Difference. Oh, oh I can sorry. Oh, he's back. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Um, ah, uh, geez. So Celestia, boy, I, I've never really tried to do a layman's just like description of Celestia. Um, it, it separates. The idea is that you separate the the block data and everything about uh, like publishing block data and verifying block data and providing block data and so on. Um, but not the actual like consensus and transaction execution. You separate all that storage out into Celestia. Um, and so, I mean, in theory, a developer could like, I don't know, maybe they've done this already, can build rollups, can build things on top of Celestia, but use the Celestia for like the secure block storage, data storage and stuff. Um, and, but they handle execution on their layer. Um, I guess it's it's like a scalability play, right? Like you've you've all heard about problems with scalability because of data bloat and data access. Like there's indexing solutions in the graph, and there's um, like block space trouble, and there's history nodes, and there's like you know Infura, and there's full like like queries, and like you got to connect to the right kind of node and get the information, and it's hard. You got to replay blockchain, all that stuff, right? Um, you can think of it as like Celestia's like um, uh, a, a library uh, for like um, where the library, no one, none of the library workers are allowed to write in the books, right? If you bring a library, if you have a library and you store your books there, like you write books, you're an author, the library is not going to come in and change the books. The books are available for everyone, but the library doesn't write the books. Um, so like the, you can be an author and have your books in the library so everyone can get to them very easily. And you just have unlocked a whole like, uh, like accessibility for your materials, right? Um, so you can store, you can push all that storage off to Celestia and everyone can see it. Everyone can see it's there. Everyone can see it hasn't been tampered with. Um, but but like there's no curation. Celestia doesn't care about what's in the books. Celestia doesn't change the books, right? The rules for how uh, how that's all written and changed, those live with the author. Those live with the blockchain. Those live with the rollup that's on top of Celestia. Um, so it's really, it's, it's a play to make it easier for blockchains to scale by avoiding them needing to deal with like the data storage availability problems that we've seen like monolithic blockchains encounter and then, so much. And then I guess to take it a step further than the the blockchains that are using the library if we stick with that analogy they're paying some sort of fee that's used to like i don't know grow the revenue of of tia as a protocol or supplement their war chest or whatever um yeah that's uh, that's a general idea i don't actually know i haven't built with celestia i don't know exactly how that piece works 
Um, I'll look it up. Right so, um, I, I, from from my from what Maybe I understanding, to participate inside of the data availability network itself, you have to have uh, you have to go through the, like the thing that they have, which is like a rasher sharding. Um, that just like digs into the level of like checking out like how what level of data is being hit by their nodes, part of their network. Um, but at the end of the day, what ends up happening at a, like an economic principle is that if you wanted to get data availability provided by Celestia, you have to convert whatever native currency you're trying to pay for that service into Celestia. Um, so there's a base layer demand to convert your um, whatever block space you're trying to demand for, whatever data publishing needs that you have, you have to pay through Celestia. You have to pay, pay through TIA. Um, and so that's the economic. It's demand. like the dollar for oil. Right? Yeah, it's the economic <laughs> demand that they're driving for. Um, but if you look, if you break down the revenue sheets, if you look at like like all the different rollups that are publishing using it, um, it's actually like the valuation of TIA doesn't is not justified by <laughs> the amount of like economic demand of the publishing of the data. Like they would need to like multi x the publishing of the data. To, in order to even get to anywhere near revenue levels of uh, of like being justified, so that I mean that that just to me opens up the conversation of like what is the actual like end game for Celestia and Tia, and in my eyes, it's it's a direct and complete utter competing with uh, with Ethereum, like they 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 probably see themselves as an Ethereum competitor. But hmm. They are less in, in that in that yeah they're a theorem competitor and they want people to build rollups on them because it's easier to handle data availability and stuff than it is to build rollups on Ethereum exactly so what you how do you put it that's how yeah. I would put it but also they have like they've stripped away a lot of the functionalities that Ethereum offers to make their base layer even more simple and more easy to integrate they do one thing very simply very effectively. Um, they don't have to do smart contracting. Ethereum has to worry about the smart contracting level. Um, Ethereum has a pre-built smart contract, smart contracting level into it that is part of the design. Celestia has kind of alleviated itself from having to like deal with that. Um, and that's like a. I think that was by intention. I think that it is because they've realized that. I think I think their edge is that the fact that they have realized that they need to build this thesis of them being a form of money, um, and their thesis is is modular money. And I think that Ethereum is ultimately going to have to come around to this concept of super sound money yet again. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel well, about it that. Was, well, I mean, Ethereum's been Ethereum is money. Ether is money has been, you know, uh, a narrative that they've been trying to push for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of took a bit of a backseat. Well, no, I don't know if it takes a backseat. Like stable coins took over in such huge volume on Ethereum that it kind of didn't matter whether Ether was money or not for a while. Yeah. But then with the burn now, it's like kind of come back to like Ether is money. And what they what they are talking, the people they're talking to, though, there aren't like the dollar lovers when they say Ether is money. It's people like Bitcoin holders, right? Uh, because a big complaint against Ether used to be that it was inflationary forever. Uh, your typical Bitcoin maxi hated that, hated the not cap supply and all that. Um, and now with the, uh, um, I get the EIPs mixed up now because I've said 4337 so many times, but the one that burns, that does the burn. Um, it uh, like with that new piece in there, it's become a big narrative again, like Ether is money because it's deflationary again, it's deflating because the, the, that burn mechanism that's been brought in. Um, so, so by saying, so is Celestia going for a 
like a we are like Celestia is money or like modular money is going to be deployed here. Do you think that that's them? Like they don't openly position themselves as an Ethereum competitor, right? Uh, we've seen the yeah. fate of anyone who does that. Um, but you think that's just a, a jab at you're kind of like, hey, we're money too. Yeah, 100%. I think that they are trying to create that, like, they believe that there's no longer going to be this monolithic approach to uh, to blockchains. Um, and I think that Ethereum is starting to realize that in order to accomplish what they're trying to do roadmap wise, is that they have to build in this modular fashion, but they're trying to make their monolithic chain still operate under the same economic incentive layer. Um, and I think Celestia is trying to approach it from the other end. I think that they have already established, like, this is how we're going to try to create economic demand. Um, but I don't understand. And I don't think they're going to be upfront with about it because you're right. If they go out and they say, like, we're going to be this base layer that everyone's going to build their uh, their networks on top of because it's just going to be super easy to build your own roll up and have your own, like, infinite block space. Um, I just think that I think that internally they're trying to figure out how best to drive value to the actual Celestia token. And right now, the data availability is the only way that they're doing that. I think Endgame, their goal is just to get some form of uh, of like some like legitimate use case for the Tia token. And I don't know what that is going to look like. Uh, I bet they haven't been public about it. And I think that's the reason why they aren't coming out and saying that they are going to be the future of money. Um, just because of the fact that like no one wants to hold an asset that's inflating 30% like uh, year over year. Like that's this like horrifying. Um, so that's why they can't really go super hard into like we're competing with ETH because like they're inflating that shit like to it's obscene levels. Um, so they're talking about modular money direct, directly related to the TIA token. Um, yes, yes. Like the okay. TIA, TIA I mean, like they, the, the TIA being the modular kingpin of all these other ecosystems. I think that it's going to end up becoming some form of interoperability play. I bet they're going to try to do some form of model of like shared security, kind of like what like mesh security, which was what Adam was trying to target. I think something like that is going to be like how they economically drive intrinsic, even more intrinsic demand to TIA. Uh, but that's just speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it, it, it does make sense to have a token that has the supply expansion like that, the inflation like that, if you will, um, when you're trying to serve like the world's data availability needs, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to price out everybody. Um, or, well, I don't know, maybe that doesn't make sense. I'll have to talk about that. I'll have to think about that and talk about that again. Um, yeah, it's an interesting So, so it's you, interesting are you familiar with people... Are you familiar with people building rollups on? We've been, I've, I've been kind of heads down building my own product now for a year. And it doesn't mean I've like dropped out of the ecosystem, but you got to pick your, you know, you got to pick your things to learn about. Um, are you familiar with people that are building rollups on Celestia and their experience? Yeah. Um, so I haven't met any of them yet, but I know of a couple. Um, so Eclipse SVM is like the big one. Um, they are building. Uh, a Solana virtual, they're building uh, basically a Solana virtual machine that settles to, I think their settlement layer is Ethereum, um, whatever you think settlement means, because I think settlement is just a meme at this point. Um, but regardless, like whatever, whatever you're trying to build, like they're just starting to take different parts of the stack and actually deploy it. Movement Labs recently just like had someone build a, uh, a ZK, uh, a zero knowledge um, Celestia daily availability layer. 
Um, and they're settling to like the, I think they're settling to Tia. It's just, there's several different teams that are starting to build those types of like plays where they're settling to different chains. Um, Eclipse SVM is the most popular one. Um, they're using the Solana virtual machine. They have parallel, paralyzed, um, uh, they have paralyzed like execution um, and transaction through or paralyzed transaction processing. Um, and I think there's a few others. There's just a lot of them that are deploying the actual rollups themselves, but applications being deployed on them hasn't been like kind of a thing yet. Um, uh, so okay. that's kind of where it's at. So go kind of ghost town rollups or speculation only rollups right now. Yeah, ghost town rollups, but they're all starting to do airdrops. So a lot of the people who are original like Tia stakers, um, Tia stakers, if you stake like Tia like back in November, you got a Saga airdrop. Um, you're definitely going to get an Eclipse airdrop. Um, there, I think there was a Dimension airdrop as well. Um, there are a few other Caldera, I believe, is one that I'm forgetting. Um, there's just a lot of other rollups that have been using the. Tia uh, and they've just all been airdropping to Tia. Um, it's it kind of it honestly just reminds me of a rerun of like what Adam was when the, you had all those different app chains kind of being spun up during 2021. Yeah, I guess the question everyone has to ask themselves is: Will the airdrops be worth the loss of value as Tia inflates and you're holding it staked? And I guess yeah, there needs exactly. to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, I personally think that there's still like a lot of room to grow from a market cap perspective for Tia. I think that there's going to be a lot of money being just dumped into it just from tech play. Um, well, speaking of money just, being dumped. Oh, go ahead. No, go, no, go for it. Uh, yeah, no, speaking of money being dumped, Evan and I were just looking at uh, bridge volume and uh, we've we've heard that some of the major bridges are seeing not just solana we know we all know solana but huge amounts of volume as well going into the other s's uh if i say the three s chains what do you think of um solana sui Say yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. So just for disclosure, they they pronounce their name sweet. I don't know how they got sweet uh, from that. Just just but... for clarification, it's a Chinese pronunciation of the word water. So actually, it's pronounced, is it it's actually? pronounced shui? But we'll just call it shui. Uh, does that mean Does that mean that you're a shuiler? If you are shuiler, <laughs> We've got sailors, sailors, and shuilers. Shuilers versus sailors. That's that's going to be a new meta. All right, shui it is. Now I'm never yeah. going to say it any other way. Evan, you realize? Shui has a great, uh, great tech stack. They're kind of um, Blockworks researchers right now. Are kind of digging into that one right now. Um, and all we're going to be interviewing them on Zero X Research here in a couple of weeks. So if anyone wanted to um, see, I basically just learn about sweat, sweet, sway, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, if you wanted to learn about them, they're basically a deep tech play. Deep tech play, they have some really interesting like efficiency plays. They're supposed to be a lot more efficient than Solana. Um, they have just they just have done a, a stellar job with the actual tech of it. And it's also based in move. So it's supposed to be like superiorly like secure. Um, yeah, it's just interesting because I think that I think that there's like a lot of people are starting to realize that there's different segments of like these different types of ecosystems that they're trying to go for. Um, I don't think Ethereum is going to go away by any means. I just think that there's going to be a lot of room for growth for these other smaller ones. So if you wanted to have like a risk risk adjusted return, I think it's better to just be positioned for these smaller, newer ecosystems. Yeah, for those who don't know, Move was created back uh, some years ago at Meta, which I think was then still Facebook. 
Um, they had a, uh, what was it called? Libra? Libra, a stablecoin play where they tried to, it got shut down by regulators so fast. Um, but in designing that blockchain, that stablecoin play, they designed the language move. They based it on Rust, uh, which is famous for like its safety. Also in um, React. And, oh yeah, Facebook has, has come out with several technologies that are now not like Facebook things. Um, Facebook invented React as well. I think yeah. one of the founders of Sui is like a uh, from that Libra cohort. David, uh, David uh, Joseph, you know David. Uh, I forgot his name. Oh, David from uh, yeah, for, uh, for Capital. No, no, from from Libra, and now he one is of the yeah from from Libra. David Marcus. David Marcus. I don't um, think so. Yeah, no, he was the, the crypto lead at Meta. I came up with Libra and as a part of that, the Move language. Um, and so Move oh, just wow. kind of came out of Facebook just like React Native did. Uh, React Native and React.js. Um, and there's other things too. Yeah, so anyway, so think what you will of Meta <laughs> making our lives a little bit better, I guess, <laughs> with the, uh, the Move language. Speaking of, well... <laughs> One comment, I, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, but Mark Zuckerberg was in, fr in front of Congress again yesterday and he had to like turn around and apologize to everyone whose child ever succumbed to like online sexual abuse or something. It was kind of a wild scene. But um, just to go back to the bridge conversation, I saw Squid actually raised uh, $4 million in like a strategic round uh, they announced yesterday. I can't remember who the, the lead investor was on that, but... Squid, uh, I, the first I heard about them was like right, right around this time last year, right before ETH Denver. And then I saw them give a, a presentation at one of the Cosmos events and um, they've come along. They're, they're, you know, my favorite bridge to use in Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, they really made it easy to just like, they almost set a new standard for bridging where you kind of can just like click and drag or click and drop down the ecosystem that you're in and the asset that you have and then move over to the, the ecosystem you want to go to and the asset that you want. Um, so I'm a big squid fan as far as. And they're definitely not just like, I mean, they're, their V2 doesn't even have cosmos chains. It's, it's focused on, uh, on Ethereum chains mostly. Um, they'll, they'll include those things again, but, um, they're definitely focused on, uh, multiple ecosystems, um, not quite as much as Wormhole. There's not Solana there yet. There's not Sui or Aptos there yet. Uh, there's not Bitcoin there yet, right? Um, there's not an injective there yet. There's not some of these things yet. Um, but if you're going around even EVM chains, uh, it's pretty cool because they also have a feature like um, where they, they let you uh, bridge very quickly, like within 20 seconds, uh, if you're under 20K, um, which, is, which is pretty cool. And the fee is usually either zero or close to it. Um, and also, uh, they have, uh, like a gas, what do they call it? Uh, arrival gas concept. So let's say you're going USDC to USDC, you're going to some new chain, some new ETH chain or Cosmos chain or wherever chain you haven't ever heard of or haven't ever been on. You don't want to get your USDC there and then have zero gas, right? So they give you like, you keep a small amount of your transfer, an appropriate amount to give you enough gas on the final chain to do whatever things you want to do. Um, so definitely innovating and I'm, I'm happy to see this news that they've got funded and, and are going to keep innovating. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty, okay. I, I want to talk about 
let's get away from the modular ecosystem. Talk about bridging. I want to go back to your guys's origins and getting crypto pilled. Um, I guess a lot of people have been crypto pilled by Bitcoin, and this is kind of coming full circle here because Evan, you were bringing up how it seems like that that's the ecosystem that pills them into the rest of the ecosystem. Unless you can don't you can't get over the, like the I don't want to unlock speculative uh, liquid capital markets. Like okay, I understand if you're just like trying to find digital gold, but Lately, uh, over the past like year, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with the ordinal stuff, but that's happening, been happening on these like Bitcoin L2s. Um, there's quite a few out there. There's like, um, I, I forget the name of the most common one, but I know there's, there's like uh, the Bitcoin virtual machine um, that's starting the new Bitcoin city or whatever the hell that is. Um, and right now, if you wanted to go buy ordinals, you can go directly to Magic Eden um, using a Bitcoin wallet, uh, specifically like an Ordi wallet uh, or a SAT wallet or something like that. And you can start getting these like Bitcoin NFTs. Um, they're just inscribed into the blockchain. Depending on where they're they were inscribed, the more valuable they are. Because like if it was inscribed on a t- Satoshi mined block, then it's like oh my god, that's a big deal. Um, I just wanted to get your guys' take on that art scene because like I've been wrestling with that like concept of there being art on Bitcoin. I don't know if you're thinking about it from a different perspective, because the thesis is like if you're if you're looking at it from a like if you're already a seasoned crypto investor, you like buying NFTs, you like buying other types of speculative assets on blockchains, then you're looking at Bitcoin NFT and you're trying to compare that to the most near thing that you can, which is another on-chain art scene. And that's going to be the Ethereum art scene. You're going to look at the Ethereum NFTs. You're going to try to see, try to do some like market cap comparison. Um, And if you really wanted to do a market cap comparison, it's kind of insane. Um, if you look at the Ethereum PFP, like market cap, I think it's at like some several, several billion, 58 billion or something like that. Um, I had a screenshot of the figure very close, but it's insane. It's a crazy, ridiculous, like billion dollar market cap. I think a hundred, hundred billion is something I've seen. I've seen. And if you compare that to the Bitcoin NFT market cap, it's, it's in the sub hundred millions right now. Um, and so it, it, like, I guess the thesis really becomes like, do you think that an NFT art scene is justifiable on the Bitcoin network? There's a lot of friction to like using the Bitcoin network. If you wanted to go buy an NFT right now, it might take like literally 30 seconds for you to get that NFT in your wallet. Um, it's like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty rough experience. Um, but yeah, just curious to hear your guys' thoughts, anything from there. Oh man, I didn't know that PFPs on on ETH were over 100 billion now, which is, I mean, that's more than a third of the ETH market cap. Okay, <laughs> so never mind. I'm, I'm, that's I'm crazy. egregiously wrong. <laughs> Wait, you're egregiously wrong? The PFP. I might be. I'm trying to find the actual market cap of PFPs across All the right. well, While you do that, I mean, no, I mean, I, you know what? I didn't disbelieve it, right? Even though it uh, might be totally wrong. I have no idea. One, okay. Yeah. I was egregiously wrong. 1.9 <laughs> billion. Okay. <laughs> that seems a little bit more the, reasonable. 1.9 NFT billion. marketplaces are so illiquid that I could see the market cap being like ridiculously high. It's just, there's no liquidity to actually draw any of that value out. So it could be something like, I don't know. It, I think the way that you um, deter, not, I mean, obviously you determine the market cap the same way as a fungible token, but it's just, it's so different in the way that like you determine the true value of the whole marketplace because who, you know, if I want to come in and buy 10% of a, of a fungible token, uh, it's, you know, I could just market buy that and it's going to pump the price. But if you want to buy 10% of, whatever, like board Ape Yacht Clubs. I don't even know if those are available for sale and you're going to get them at, 
you can market by it, uh, but there might be ve- like vastly different. You, you can't even really market by it. Like you, you can, but I don't know. It's just going to slip up pretty hardcore just because you don't know like what, what the individual sellers of those items are thinking as far as like the value that they have when they, when they put it into the, um, into the bid or the ask or whatever. Um, uh, Pete, anyway, you can, I'll let you chime in on this. Oh man, I'm looking through, I'm looking at BTC machines right now. If you're on the YouTube, you can see, um, uh, sharing the tab and the floor price is almost, uh, what is that currently like $4,800. That's a 0.1 BTC. Um, there are 777 of them. This is not a paid shill. I do not own a BTC machine. Although at this point, I wish I did. They have rocketed. They're actually kind of like bottom wicking right now. I mean, they, it seems like they're like going into like just like hype sell. Uh, people who like got in early, they got a whole bunch of people who were like hyped up and they came in, bought in at higher prices. And now lately, all the original buyers have just been like slowly selling. Um, and right now it's kind of in like a dead period. Uh, but it just like just objectively looking at it, it's just like crazy to think like you could be theoretically early to the largest, to the large, like the blockchain that has the largest amount of adoption, the largest liquid market cap, or I guess where you can argue if it's liquid or not, but the largest market cap um, of all the other blockchains. And this is the very start of its like art scene of its on-chain art scene. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that it doesn't grow but is the Bitcoin holder like so anti the concept of art on a blockchain? Uh, a lot of people are. I mean, it depends. Uh, there's there's definitely factions in Bitcoin right now. There's like the the people who are like, oh my gosh, this is a waste of block space. You're just driving fees up for everyone. There are people like Udi who kind of troll through it and are like, well, let's do it. And they tap root wizards or whatever. Um there are people who are laughing through the whole thing because they, to them, they're, they're seeing people that were dedicated to exclusively Bitcoin discover things that like Ethereum's known for years. And, and, you know, does that mean that they'll overtake them? Maybe. Does that mean that they're way behind? Maybe. You know, so it's, it's hard for me to say, like you said, it feels like the art scene will pick up, but a lot of that, a lot of the, a lot of your Bitcoin holders, uh, I don't know, don't tend to be interested in things like this to the same degree that like holders of the world computer asset, right? Ethereum are, for example, or especially holders of Solana, right? I, I, I bet that the holders of Solana proportionally that are interested in memes and PFPs is probably higher, significantly higher than like holders of Bitcoin and so on. Um, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. That's, that's my theory right now. I, I'm not rushing to move my entire portfolio into Bitcoin uh, ordinals. Yeah, I, I just find it super interesting that we're, we're able to see an early art scene start on the biggest blockchain. Um, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to think that people won't value that art. Um, Node monkeys is like kind of the consensus. PFP that's like winning the ecosystem right now. Um, I think there's like another one that's like puppets. And then there's like another one that's like a little bit more like bad kid style. It's like hand drawn. Um, Yeah, I I just find it very interesting. Um, And then there's like another like sector of it that's going super meta where they're like, they're saying like, okay, so this is going to be us specifying the Bitcoin quadrants of where 
um, of where the metaverse is going to be built upon. And I think th- those are the Unisats or some shit like that, or the the s- stacks or something like that. Um, it's crazy uh, because like a lot of people are just going through a lot of layers and loops and to like justify buying art on there. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's pretty ass to go yeah, buy right now. If, if you're if you're trying to send Bitcoin to a specific wallet, or you're trying to send, like buy a specific type of ordinal, if you send it to the wrong wallet, it might get stuck in purgatory, um, and you won't be able to get it. Yeah, I've never personally been a huge fan of like art. I mean, not like art in like a general sense, but I mean like art in in the form of like PFPs on on crypto, no matter what layer one it's on i just fucking hate it and i'm not a huge fan of like the board ape yacht club slash we're all gonna make it commercial super bowl commercial i just thought that was like super lame and the top and i just like i hope that crowd never comes back and i hope they all lost money to be honest but that being said <laughs> um ooh, that being said, good thing we don't have many listeners here. um i mean there are some pfp communities that i like that are more like grassroots that you know it's a small project and it's like a soul bound nft or maybe there's not a lot of speculation on it and it's just like a representative of something but <clears throat> i just i don't know i didn't like the whole like mainstream normie like pfp or uh, really just specifically board ape yacht club i i am not a fan of um but that did you hear the story i don't know if we were streaming or anything that you heard the uv light story right I did. Yeah, they they had an event and like the UV lights like blinded people or something. They got they is that what happened? I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were supposed to get black lights, and whoever they tasked to get black lights went to the store and was like, "UV lights. Those are black lights, right? Those are the same thing." And they were like sanitizing UV lights, like put them in a bathroom, <laughs> leave for five minutes, and you've killed all the germs in the bathroom. So uh, they were just that, that. Whoever went to that display was seeing like like couldn't see or like huge eye and headache problems. Um, anyway, yeah, to get sued by board. I, I remember hearing but, about that. Um, but yeah, it just seemed to me like it, it devolved into this, like show off my wealth, have a board ape yacht club, uh, PFP and like get into this nightclub. And I don't know, that's just, I, I can't stand that shit. So, but all that being said, the, the Bitcoin ordinals thing, I think is interesting because even with NFTs kind of in their current state, which is like stupid, um, they, the ordinals kind of solves for the like fee problem and the existential sort of Damocles hanging over the Bitcoin's people's head where, yeah. you know, the, it's, it's block rewards until I think like what, 2140 or whatever. So you have a little while to figure it out. But uh, once those block rewards runs out, are fees enough to sustain the mining and the security of the network? And if you're going to have ordinals that bring in more volume and take up block space and potentially cost more in fees, um, you know, 2140 is a while off. Fucking 2028 20, is a while off. We're going to see a lot change in the space and hopefully a lot change with NFT. So um, I think it's good that Bitcoin's building now these sorts of like um, these these derivatives onto their platform that they can grow and change with the NFT space as it changes into something more useful than jpegs not to like use the meme of like you know click copy your jpeg um so you know i think nfts as a whole can be like a really awesome thing i think it, it it's a great way to show that you have digital ownership of an item i think like was it 
there's like a story that like Vitalik had like some World of Warcraft character and it had an awesome weapon. And then like <laughs> the the gaming company they nerfed and it. pissed them off. And yeah. he was like, fuck, we need like some way where this is like I have true ownership of that. And I see that. And as as we grow into like this more digital world, um, you know, like interestingly enough, not to go on too wild of a tangent here, but the the kids that are born now like the zoomers or like the kids that are younger than them that are in middle school uh or like going into high school or whatever like they to them like bitcoin is like a household term everybody knows what bitcoin is and the more you search around on the internet like the more you start to see like joseph you mentioned earlier in the call like um people like drake are mentioning crypto projects whether it's like a stupid chill or not um, or like people like influencers are, are involved and they're changing their, you know, like I've seen some wild crossovers where people that I didn't even know were involved in crypto all of a sudden have like a Milady PFP. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like. Dwight, Dwight Howard just did a rug. I don't know if you follow the NBA, but Dwight Howard is an NBA player and he just, <laughs> he dropped an NFT series on AVAX. Yeah. I, I saw he rugged for like $25,000 or something. <laughs> something but it's, I, I think the more, it, but not even stuff like that, like just your general person, I think is becoming more aware of the whole scene. And like in that aspect, maybe I'm kind of like contradicting myself, but it has brought like a, a positive, um, like, I guess more like, uh, uh inclusive uh vibe to like the whole community because it's not just like hey put fucking a hundred thousand dollars into bitcoin etf and like you're a, a suit somewhere it's like i could be a dgen kid that's in middle school and i'm on discord you know in my favorite chat and like my buddy's like hey check out this weapon for this maybe game or, or whatever but like as that starts to develop more and more i think we'll start to see um nfts start to actually become more than just like a pfp and i think that'll be good for for everyone and it will be good for especially bitcoin in my opinion if it helps solve the the fee issue or the sustainability issue because you know it's hey we're using bitcoin to secure whatever this item is um and it doesn't have to be games right it can be something a little bit more professional um maybe it's licensing or, or whatever but um i think as the nfts grow and change ordinals will be just another thing that grows and changes with the industry uh, maybe they're not the leader because I think what was it, Pete, that said like, um, uh, you know, Bitcoin is starting to do these things that Ethereum has like known about forever. Uh, but even if it's not a leader, it still could eventually be useful, um, you know, to help sustain the network. So, Pete, I see you brought up the Vitalik uh, story here. Oh yeah, yeah. I do want to get to this at some point. Um, you know, Vitalik made a post. You mentioned Vitalik. It made me think of this. It's called the end of my childhood. And I guess he turned 30, you know, a uh, big moment. So um, he's basically bemoans that a little bit saying he was the oldest person in the room by far at a hack house. Um, but, um, you know, some pretty cool ideas like uh, this idea that we can now mathematically figure out vibes like AI's told us how to like this telling us the math equation for vibes like look at this uh make it a hundred times more bitcoiny make it a hundred times more ethereum-y um and things like that but you know I, what i really wanted to bring up is this and uh, we know some of these people Evan. we've met some of these people uh i mean we've got doquan on this list uh we've got people this is actually a little old it's not vitalik's graphic he's just retweeting it or reposting it uh some people were like oh well richard hart's still on here richard hart's on here so vitalik's endorsing him as a main character 
not the point, totally not the point. But um, this graphic's been going around. I don't know if any of you've seen it or not. Uh, this like still main character, no longer main character. We've got Barry Silbert knocked off already here, so it's already out of date. But it's just it's not really that old. You got um, Novogratz knocked off. There is that. Is that because of? That's not me. No, I don't I, do I, this. I, Remember, this is just. I'm, a I'm wondering if I missed something <laughs> along the lines where he. I, I think. I think like Kathy Wood and Plan B, it's not or like it's not like uh, you know it's not like something crazy happened and they went to jail, right? It's just that like they're no longer uh, people are no longer like major voices in the space. Like it used to be like uh, we played uh, Mike Novogratz clips at the beginning of every podcast episode, you know, and like that was the golden guest to have on your crypto show. And uh, Mike is doing Galaxy's doing fine. Novogratz is doing fine. But I think that just represents like not really a main character anymore. This doesn't mean no longer main character doesn't mean they've gone through a terrible demise. Um, but in the right. case of like, some here, that's at, definitely if you look true. at the difference between, for instance, Sam Trabuco and Sam Bankman Fried, two guys from the same organization. Uh, I don't even know what the hell happened to Sam Trabuco. I, I actually read the, um, He's allegedly on a boat in the middle of the ocean. He got away. Just like Joe Lowe. Yeah. Really? I read, a, yeah, he, he I read the book that, uh, uh, Michael Lewis wrote about uh, FTX, which is interesting. I, I thought maybe he blew going infinite. I thought maybe yeah. he blew him a little too much, and he just acted like Sam was like this, like, "Oh, I'm just like this clumsy guy that has no idea what's going on. It's an accounting error," and it just like wasn't like, "All right, I think he was a little bit more, more nefarious than that." But Trabuco is only mentioned in like one sentence for the whole thing. They talk about how he was running um, Alameda. I think I, I can't remember right, the, the two. He was running like the trading desk at Alameda or something. And then when Sam left to go to FTX, uh, uh, Trabuco was um, promoted. And then it said like, once he got all this money, he just kind of like loved to like drink and womanize and blah, blah, blah. So um, it's just interesting to see the difference. Like, not, of course, neither of them are main characters, but uh, Trabuco somehow just like stepped into the shadows. Also, I want to give a shout out to Ape Depto TV, who's always on our YouTube uh let's go and uh he said doquan releasing on february 15th um yeah so i do think we mentioned it earlier in the happy hours that uh doe's sentence is is supposed to end i thought it was march i thought the date was march but i could be wrong Um, i think march is when the civil trial begins yeah Um, yeah. but But, uh, the tweet that you just sent out uh that was pinned to the top of the spaces on twitter mentioned that his civil trial begins so uh, my guess is he's gonna get um he's gonna get extradited to the u.s i would think and and i i've heard people speculate that they that he would might prefer that because single or not singapore um korea is like gonna is like he's like public enemy number one in korea and they're they're bound to be much more harsh to him over there uh i have no idea what the the prison uh, conditions are like in Korea or in the US. Hopefully, I never have to find out, but um, I can imagine, like, I- I've heard in the past before, like, white collar criminals in, in the um, the prisons that they're in aren't like the worst thing on earth. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in prison, but relative. Have you heard, uh, have we ever told the story of uh, the Korean restaurant and how we asked about Tokwon? Yeah, so we were, <laughs> Pete and I were in New York last year, actually, and we were, um, we were enjoying some Korean barbecue with the guys from One Planet, actually. Um, and 
we were talking about, I, I was asking them, I was like, how, how famous is Doe in Korea compared to like, how notorious is he compared to the U S uh, cause he's not, he's not a household name in the U S I think you have to be like somewhat adjacent to web three to know who he is. And they're like, Oh, everyone in Korea knows that name. Do Kwan. And I was like, all right, I, I doubt it. I was like, let's test it. I was like, whenever the waitress comes over, ask her if she knows Do Kwan. And like, she comes over and they exchange words in Korean and she all of a sudden becomes like visually flustered. Like you could tell there, there's a problem. And, um, then she leaves and I'm like, well, what the fuck did you guys just say? And they're like, yeah, they said that she lost like $14,000 and had to like sell two of her cars to like get out of debt because she lost a bunch of money. And then like in English, she came back and she's like, you guys know Do Kwan? Uh, she probably shouldn't do an Asian accent. Uh, but <laughs> Wow. Face forward. <laughs> yeah, she was pissed. And, and you're, you're like, no. No, we don't. We don't know. <laughs> you know we're like we have we have nothing. To do with no. And, and then she and then she said in Korean to the guys we're with. These guys look like the kind of people that made money on Doquan. <laughs> no way. Oh man, it was it was uh, it was crazy. Yeah. So you got called out in public. Wow. Well, uh, not really. Yes, like we weren't. <laughs> she didn't. Yeah. I mean, it was. No, but uh, yeah, but it it definitely gave us a feeling for a little the temperature. Did she know she was of, right, right. Whoa, 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 whoa! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I'm kidding. yeah, <laughs> I I I've publicly stated in the past that I was the one that crashed USD. Me and Coach Bruce, who. Uh, I mean, it would make sense. You guys are nefarious characters. Uh, Ape Depto TV, following the same vein, asks: I heard Tara building something huge back doors. Uh. I don't know about that. I think uh, Tara is is in a bit of trouble with uh, everyone. I was looking at a Telegram chat. Uh, they are issue seven on the docket is there's a motion of debtor blah 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 to enter interim and final orders to use their own treasury management system. So it's up in the air whether Terraform Labs can even use their own treasury, and I think it's going to be decided. I don't know today, tomorrow. At some point soon. So, I mean, I don't know what plans they could be building huge back doors uh, other than they need to have their back door covered because the SEC is about to fuck them in the back door and the courts are about to fuck their back door and not even let them use their own treasury. So, I don't know. Things look grim. You know, again, I'm not a lawyer. I I don't know. I'm speculating. Could be wrong. Uh, Hope for all the best that, again, like Chris Amani put himself into a tough situation to take over there. And I commend you know, his bravery and the fucking stress that that guy must be dealing with on a daily basis. That's not an easy situation to be in. So for sure. one of the takeaways, one of the takeaways from this, I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, sometimes pretty happy when we uh, throw a thing and there's like eight people, you know, whatever. It's great. Hey, we love everybody here. Uh, but like, look at the chart I got. One of the takeaways uh, from crypto the past few years is you don't be a main character. <laughs> <laughs> just don't do it. Do not, uh, you know, try to try to follow the main characters, try to, uh, you know, ride some waves, try to do some good, try to make connections. Um, but don't be jealous of the main characters. Maybe I should put it that way. Um, because being a main character would mean you're like 50% likely to have to, to just go through some kind of social destruction um, or, or legal destruction. Yeah. And um yeah, I just wouldn't want to be a main character. One of the one of the main characters that I don't know if he's listed here, but he seems to have somehow slipped by everything is uh, uh, Justin Sun from over on Tron. He seems to 
No, he's there. He was, he was in the first, he was like the second character on the chart. Uh, he's been a main character for quite a while, and he seems to have, uh, I don't know, I think he's an agent of the, of the Chinese yeah, CCP party, maybe. CCP. Um, yeah, Justin's son, like, dumped, uh, it isn't confirmed, but he allegedly dumped, like, a massive amount of money out of a maker DSR vault yesterday. I think, like, $125 million. Um, It just, oh, like, really? it, yeah. Yeah, like 125 million. Well, he also came up with a a stable coin similar to the UST model where it was like backed by... I remember at uh, Consensus, or not... Yeah, was it Consensus? Like the one that happened immediately preceding the UST or right after, immediately after the UST collapse. So it was like uh, UST happened in May. This might have been honestly the end of May or maybe early June. We were down... Yeah, in Austin. Yeah. And I went up to the Tron booth and I was talking to the girl at the booth and I was like, hey, uh, you guys have this new stable coin called like USDD or something. Uh, what is what is the collateral? Aren't you worried about DPEG? Like, if you hear about USD, blah, blah, and they're like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, we, it's backed by like, you know, 100% over collateralized. Um, and I was like, oh, what's like, what's in the, by a basket of assets? And I was like, well, what's in the basket? And they're like, well, it's mostly Tron. And I was just like, all right, well, that seems like the exact same thing as what UST was. So good luck with that. But it's still going uh, because I don't know Justin Sun's the uh, His Majesty Justin Sun or whatever uh, His Excellency is somehow uh, yeah tied to the tied to the CCP or the mob or what. Again, just speculation. Don't come after me, CCP. But um, yeah, interesting stuff. Don't come after me, CCP. How many times in your life have you uttered that phrase? I'm daily. I have to. I have to say it daily <laughs> to my wife. Um, all right. Uh, I think we're we're about wrapped up here. We've actually gone for almost an hour and a half, which is pretty crazy. An hour and eighteen minutes on YouTube. Wow. Uh, I think it's been a pretty good. Yeah, thanks it's for been a pretty up. good first run. Obviously, the audience numbers aren't uh, gigantic, but we started a new channel here. Uh, we have another channel with like I don't know. 19,000 subs that we don't use. Uh, maybe we'll switch over to that if this one doesn't gain any traction. I don't know. But uh, the the happy hours are, if you can't tell, we're piping in audio from spaces. So if you're watching on YouTube and you want to come up and chat, it's open forum. We don't care. We used to do this on Telegram back in the days, even before Twitter spaces was a thing. Uh, and it was just kind of a, a cool chat. Anybody could come up. Any topics, we're happy to cover it. Uh, if nobody wants to talk, then the three of us will just ramble on about dumb shit. But you can watch us over on YouTube. We are uh, the the channel name is Thirsty Thursday. S E R S D A Y. Uh, Ape Depto TV will always be watching. He's uh, he says if there's only one fan, it's me. So we appreciate it. Um, and yeah, you can catch us on YouTube. We'll try and do it every week around the same time, around noon Eastern. Uh, which is what time in Europe, Pete? Uh, today we started at 4.30 UTC, 16.30 UTC. Six. Noon Eastern is 17. So it'll be around around lunch and around... around yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you're in Asia, it'll be a nice late night listen. If you're in America, it'll be your lunch break listen. And uh, if you're in Europe, it's actually happy hour where you can get drunk like Pete did. Pete finished a whole bottle of whiskey in this hour and a half, which is just insane. Sort of. Um, it's not whiskey though. This is only twenty two percent. Oh, it's like a cognac. It's a liquor. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, is a cognac really twenty two percent? It's like a watered down version of man, like what us men drink over here in America. 
I don't know about that, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking it up right now because I don't believe this. That's what I would. Cognac, cognac is 40%. Cognac is 80 proof. Get out of here with your whiskey nonsense. That's what I would. You just want Jameson to take over. You want everyone to drink Jameson all the time under all circumstances. And if it's not Jameson, maybe Guinness, but otherwise Jameson. No, I don't want everyone to drink Jameson. It's already hard enough to find and it's too expensive. I would prefer it to be cheap. (laughs) Um, Cool. All right. Well, any uh, closing remarks from you, Joseph? Thanks for joining us. Joseph, are you going to be back? You've got the... uh like we all follow ecosystems, but you definitely like follow, I don't know. You're a good, you're a good mesh here. You, uh, you follow ecosystems that we don't really. So you got to come yeah. back and you got to show us the latest Solana goodies, man. Pitch the I've memes. Gone, I've gone multi-chain. I've gone multi-chain. Um, I just think that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential. I'm really excited for the market cycle that we're in store. Um, I think if you're paying attention to where activity is on chain, you are early to something uh, that will be big once uh, capital markets really turn into risk on season. Because uh, right now it's not risk on season fully. Uh, I do think that people who are early to risk on season are starting to move um, and they're starting to deploy. But I'm just really excited for the future of where uh, all these ecosystems are headed. Myself. Evan is Sorry. muted. Uh, Ape Bombay Sapphire. Try some Bombay Sapphire. Pete is a gin guy. Probably is going to grab some gin to show you right now. He also said, when Obi mobile app. Uh, yeah, we've been kind of undercover in, in stealth mode building here, Obi, for a while. I would say in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some interesting uh, announcements. But basically, we're solving what I would say is probably the biggest headache of all crypto users right now, which is, hey, I have you know ETH and a MetaMask, or I have a bunch of assets on a centralized exchange, and I want to get into this new shitcoin in this like totally weird ecosystem that I've never interacted with before. And that takes an hour to download the wallet and secure the seed phrase and figure out where the liquidity is and figure out the bridge and figure out all the fucking shit to do. And then once you're done with it, you realize you don't have the gas token to actually make the swap into the meme coin that you want. We're going to do it so that it's two steps click one and get an all chains account click two will auto route you to that asset uh the show is sponsored by ob money but we're not going to shill it this episode because it's not ready quite yet to be shilled i'd like to shill it when there's actually an action you can take uh so look out for that in the next couple weeks and i'm sure we'll you'll be hearing more about it as we grow uh click rate share subscribe all that fun stuff and uh that's it i'm gonna end the live stream now and this is Thirsty Thursday. I definitely expect you to have a unique drink next time, Evan. Even if it's Jameson, you get one of those. None of this like, oh, it's too early coffee stuff. Absinthe is is a good option if you want some absinthe. That'd, that'd be that'd work. <laughs> Moonshine. Uh, if you're, if I'll be going to appeal to the. I'll West be going Virginians. to pick the kid up from daycare and like smell like apple. I'm sure they'll be real happy about that. You'll be fine, yeah. Just tell them it's good and plenty. You're just munching good and plenty. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, end on the live stream here. Thanks for watching. And uh, we'll catch you next week for another Thirsty Thursday. I guess I got to end the space. All right. Everybody's still in the space. Peace. Thanks, guys. 
Spaces. 